What you're about to listen to is part three of a three-part special world report with a friend of Medjugorje about the 2020 presidential election in the United States. This is a special world report with a friend of Medjugorje. future former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. I've been active in this since 1958. That's 62 years. I am the angriest I have been in that entire six decades. You have a group of corrupt people who have absolute contempt for the American people, who believe that we are so spineless, so cowardly, so unwilling to stand up for ourselves, that they can steal the presidency and we'll wring our hands, bring in a few lawyers, and do nothing. My hope is that President Trump will lead the millions of Americans who understand exactly what's going on. The Philadelphia machine is corrupt. The, the Atlanta machine is corrupt. The machine in Detroit is corrupt. And they're trying to steal the presidency, and we should not allow them to do that, first of all, under federal law, we should lock up the people who are breaking the law. You stop somebody from being an observer, you just broke federal law. You hide and put up paper so nobody can see what you're doing, you just broke federal law. You bring in ballots that aren't real, you just broke federal law. I am sick and tired of corrupt left-wing Democrats who believe that we are too timid and too easy to intimidate and therefore let us go out and steal it. That, that's exactly, I mean, no one should have any doubt. You are watching an effort to steal the presidency of the United States, and this is not about Donald Trump. This is about the American people. Do the American people have the right in an honest election with honest, legitimate ballots to pick their leader? Or are we now just sheep to be dominated by the high-tech businesses, the news media, and the various political machines, and are we supposed to surrender? So I think this is one of the great, this is a crisis in the American system, comparable to Washington on Christmas Eve, or comparable to Lincoln at Gettysburg. This is a genuine, deep crisis of our survival. This is a genuine, deep crisis of our survival. The Hill posted an article on September 21st, 2020. Quoting EWTN's news opinion poll of likely Catholic voters and who they would vote for. It states the results show that 53% favored Biden compared to 41% favored Trump. How can that be? Why is that? It's what I started the first broadcast on election night was about. 53% Catholics didn't hear from their bishops, didn't hear from their priests that Biden is a murderer, a criminal. I know of some bishops that have said, be neutral, don't say anything. What is that about? It's about abandoning the flock. 
misleading them. Shepherds with wolf clothing. And for the bishops, they don't say anything. You're just as guilty. Actually, worse. There was bishops out there that said it's okay and even encouraged to vote for Biden. But Revelations has something to say about that. For those who are neither hot nor cold, I will vomit them out of my mouth. The Christ. Go look it up. So you're not excused because, well, we're just going to stay out of the fray. It's clear this president is the most pro-life president we have ever had. Backed up by actions and laws and executive orders. Newt said he's angry. We as Catholics have a right to be angry because we are such a number of the population that if the guidance was there, easily Trump would have won, despite the corruption that's going on. I lay a lot of responsibility. No, I'm not just going to say responsibility. They are the cause of this. Easily. If our shepherds were doing what they're supposed to do, and they are those that are out there are doing that, and some we know as personally are getting crushed and being told to be silent. Scandal. Scandalous. Newt's Catholic. The influence of the Catholic Church is immense. The bishop's power to affect this election is immense. And silence, being in the middle, I will spew you out of my mouth. Cowards. People are being abandoned in the pews. And you wonder why the mother of God is here? Because the church is very sick. Not a little sick, but very, very sick. No courage, no guts, no standing up. And we have people following us from 120 countries. And these people send us feedback from all corners of the earth. Last night's broadcast, Lee, who lives in London, the United Kingdom, says, Praise be Jesus. Firstly, thank you to all of you at Caritas for your resolute courage. Your broadcast is all the news we will dial into over here in the UK. As you know, the media is only feeding us rubbish. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everything you do. Your work is the utmost importance to the will of God and so needed. Thanks again, and may God bless you and all your mission. That's one of many. I tell you, if the bishops stood up like we stood up, they would make you saints. Your flock will be as much for you as they are for Trump. They have more respect for him in a spiritual way than the shepherds in regards to the moral good that Trump is bringing to us, protecting Christians. I wish EWTN would do a poll to see for Catholics across the country. Do they feel more loved by the president for them and their life and their spiritual life and their secular life than the shepherds do for them? Ask yourself about that. Ask the flock. I know of a good priest. Recently, he told me 
that he told a bishop that once you become a bishop, you'll never, ever hear the truth again. Why? Because Satan surrounds the bishops with the curtain of power, giving bad informations or neutralizing them. There's no discernment. It's political. Let's be everything to everybody. Jesus was not like that. There was not one talk he had, not one homily, if you want to say so, that he didn't offend somebody. And by offensing, he convicts. They have to go one way or the other. This namby-pampy stuff that we get from the pulpit, don't offend nobody, is sinful. It's time that our lives contradicts other lives. Yes, we're sinners. We talk to priests from all over the place. There's a lot they would like to do. But when they start getting strong, they're reined in. So our lady is coming to us. She's raising a whole body of apostles. That's what Louis de Montfort said. Our lady would come and raise up apostles of the latter days. It wouldn't be a need for that to happen. It wouldn't be a prophecy 400 years ago, him saying that, unless there's a need for that. We're operating from a cow pasture here in the middle of a valley. We've got a tree and a cross and a bedroom that's known all over the world. How does that happen? By standing up, by being courageous, by speaking the truth, and not worrying about your reputation, not worrying what people are going to think about you, or not worrying about hurting people's feelings. It's time to be righteous, and it's okay to be angry righteously, because he made a whip, and he never sinned, and he beat them, who is then animals and people beat them out of the temple. It is time we engage and we confront our shepherds. Stand up or resign yourself. Yes, you're to pray for your shepherds. I ladies repeated that, to love your shepherds. Yes, I'm saying this out of love for your own good. We've got plenty of examples in history. The French Revolution, they wasn't doing what they were supposed to do. You know who went first to the guillotines? The priest, the shepherds, they sent all the bishops out of France. That's a sentence from heaven. By standing up, we have people that stand up to support this mission. How do we have a 65,000 square foot, four-story building with a full-fledged printing shop, graphics, everything, almost 100 extensions on our phone systems? The only live Medjugorje center in the world that you can call when somebody's there. 40 people working constantly. Somebody has to pay for that. And you know who it is? The masses. People all over the world. Our field angels donate because they know we feed other people and they can't put that out. They depend on us to do it. And they know we'll do it. For our good or for our bad. I'm not alleging that all the bishops and priests and our shepherds or who's in positions don't know the truth. They do know the truth. That's the problem. And June 2nd, 2015, Our Lady says, do not be afraid to witness the truth. That's Our Lady's statement. And that's why you're not convicting anybody. She continues, if you are not afraid and witness courageously, the truth will miraculously win. We're not winning. We got a murderer headed toward the presidency because you don't have courage. 
because you're afraid. You know the truth, but you won't speak it. And you wonder why you're not respected? You're neither hot nor cold. And I'll finish all this with the feedback that just came in, just handed to me, that makes exactly my point why so many are afraid to witness the truth. It says, quote, unsubscribed. In other words, they won't off our list. And the person, I'm going to tell you the name, Donna Smith. And she says, quote, Joe Biden is a practicing Catholic. I will not support a lying, slandering, corrupted man. He acts like Satan. I'm a practicing Catholic, and I do not. We can assume she's talking about Trump. But I'm aligned with Trump, and many others are too. So this would apply to me, that I'm corrupted, and that I'm act like Satan. And this is the reason, and it says, do not be afraid to witness the truth, because Jesus was called a Satan. And Jesus responds, a kingdom divided cannot stand. We have hundreds of thousands, if not millions, and especially in the future, are converting to Christ through this mission. We have vaults here. We have archives. And we know what is happening now, what's going to happen 10 years from now and 100 years from now. They're going to look at our life, our witness, and how we spoke and what we did and what we lived in our witness. It's happening in real time. Therefore, it's going to happen in future time. That's what people are scared of, to be called a Satan or corrupted or slanderer. So be it. I wear that with the badge. The montage you're about to hear has segments from a friend of Medjugorje and what he said 10 years ago when speaking to pilgrims here at Caritas on December the 10th, 2010, during the five days of prayer for the reconciling of ourselves, our families, and our nation back to God. We say this beforehand because what you will hear him say could have easily been stated today in what we are witnessing in our nation. We here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. Nowhere in the history of the world no nation today has laws and a nation where they sat down and built it on Christian principles. And the civil laws were welded and bonded to the principles of Christianity. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation, or any nation so conceived and so dedicated, can long endure. We are met on a great battlefield of that war.
One of the most important things that we have learned over the last few days is that there are nearly 70 million people who love America and reject all of this political correctness, that reject the uh, cancel culture, that reject the lies that America is a horrible place. 70 million people that look at America the way you do. Many of them learning to see America through the lens of founding principles for the very first time. We learned that just like us, millions of Americans, millions of Americans search and study and pray and try to understand the principles that have made America great and will keep America great, will build on that greatness. We found out that millions of Americans who really weren't paying attention for a long time, the media woke up and they started to see, wait, this isn't fair at all. That there are millions of Americans that they may not even like Donald Trump. But they stood for Donald Trump because they understood what was at stake. We saw millions of our fellow citizens line the streets and stand in the cold to be counted among the defenders of our nation. Believers, patriots, warriors. It used to be all Americans loved the Constitution. We're bound by the best of what makes America great. The Constitution, the fact that all men are created equal and endowed by their Creator with certain rights. Liberty, opportunity, equal opportunity, not equal outcomes, but equal opportunity. The knowledge that all men are created and created equal. That rights don't come from the government, they come from God. We believe that unity of principle and purpose is what has always held us together. 70 million people know that this isn't a perfect nation. The Constitution doesn't even say we're going to create a perfect nation. It says create a more perfect nation. And that is a job for each and every one of us every single day. Those are the principles that hold the Constitution and this country together. There's a lot of people in this country, more than I thought, that divert and even will destroy the truth. They want to wipe out our history. They tell us every day not to believe what we're seeing with our own eyes. They stand in front of burning cars and burning buildings and say it's mostly peaceful. Well, I don't know. Even if that car behind you and the crowd behind you is, is only 10% violent, that's enough. If you voted for Trump, it doesn't make you a zombie or anti-anything. We are for freedom. Not approved freedom. Not the freedom that we have to look to our master and say, can we do that? That's approved freedom. That is the freedom that others have in Europe, not America. We believe in actual freedom. Many Americans who voted with the left, they do not think the Constitution is just a tired old document. No, they took that mask off long ago. They believe now it is a hateful set of ideals designed by a group of hateful men. And if you find yourself voting with the Democrats, you find yourself there. 
You better open your eyes, because if what I just said to you says, how dare you say that about us? That's what your leadership is saying. And it is their intention to utterly dismantle it. So at some point, we have to believe you believe this. To them, men and women are not created equal. There isn't even such a thing as men and women anymore. While we seek law and order, they seek chaos. While we seek freedom, they seek tyranny. They believe in fear and hate. I believe in evil. I do believe in evil. And I see evil. The author of all chaos is the dark one himself. Chaos. Anyone who is seeking chaos, anyone who is seeking bloodshed, that is evil. It is evil. We are given agency by our creator, and that can never, ever be taken away. This election cycle has shown us that millions of us are united in that knowledge. But many in our nation... Many in our nation have thought long and hard about Marxism. Most of us didn't even think it wasn't even on our radar for far too long. And now we are leading the charge against it. Thousands who escaped tyranny, the tyranny of socialism and authoritarianism are speaking louder than ever before, warning us to hold on to our American values. And I got to tell you something. You can put me in prison. You can remove my tongue. And I will still believe these things, and I will still stand for these things. I will write these things with my finger in the sand if I have to. I will scratch it into the walls of a prison with my fingernails bloody. All men are created equal because it is true. The more they divide and try to conquer, in their arrogance they will lose. The more they divide and conquer, the more we must bind together in knowledge and strength and love. We must stand together because the times ahead are going to be tough. The times of it's easy to be an American and believe in the Constitution. It's easy to be a Christian. Those days are over. And the leftists will not give up. They are led by a dark power that seeks to destroy not just America, not just our way of life, but freedom itself. But you know what? It's the same story every time. Darkness always thinks it's going to win. Darkness is dispelled by the light. Don't you dare get discouraged. You have proof you're not alone. But you also have proof of the army that you are up against. We are not people that are itching for a fight, looking for a fight. I don't want to fight. I think civil war is the worst thing that could possibly happen. But if the left thinks we're going to sit down as they dismantle the Constitution, no, I won't do it. I won't do it. America, as our founders saw it, still lives and breathes in the hearts of millions. Hold on to that truth. And hold on to each other.
That, of course, was Glenn Beck. He's a Mormon. If our bishops, our shepherds, if our priests stood up and said that in the pulpit, the people in the pews wouldn't just stand up. They wouldn't stand on the kneelers. They'd be standing in the pew aligning with you. You'll be hearing their voices singing. Amen. Hallelujah. You try it, Bishop. You try it, priest. We got a priest in Birmingham right now doing this. And you know what? They're leaving other parishes and they're going to his church. And he's saying it like it is. And people are driving long distances to go to his masses. He's reading our materials. He's mentioned us from the pulpit. Relaying from the pulpit, he supports 100% what we're doing. He as a priest is getting fed from it. And you got this Mormon feeding your soul? You just try it, Bishop. You just try it, shepherds. You priests. You try it, deacons. Watch what happens. We have had deacons write to us using our materials, something I read, and they had people stood up and clapped in mass. They were so happy. The malnourishment in the pew is skeletons. Stand up now while you're still free because there's going to come a time if you don't, you'll be in handcuffs or a guillotine. So we cut back now to a friend of Medjugorje. All my life, there's one thing that's puzzled me about our nation. Now, I'm speaking about our nation, of course, because that's what we're praying for here. One thing that's always confounded me is why so many people hate this nation. I never have understood it so much that maybe outsiders or other nations may hate us or resent us. I've got some understanding of that. But how can people who benefit, who have much fruit from this nation in their material wealth, many wealthy people who literally hate this country? Do you have an answer for that? Do you understand that? I didn't until I wrote this book. It finally clicked one day. Because I was looking at people, what they were saying about our country. And how could somebody be worth, you know, $25 million who came from nothing, who made it here in this country, and they hate this nation. And they support places like the ACLU and abortion. And everything that they could do that would destroy this nation, they want it to happen. It's such a contradiction, it just doesn't make any sense. Except for what Our Lady revealed to me. In writing this, in the Bible, it says, if the world hates you, realize that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, the world would love its own. But because you do not belong to the world, and I have chosen you out of the world, the world hates you. This is a revelation of why America is hated by not only the world, but by even some of his own citizens. The hatred of the United States of America is puzzling until you understand the above verse. The hatred of Christ will certainly bring the hatred to even a nation in its founding if its foundation was built on the Christian principles of Christ. John Adams said, the American Revolution connected in one indissolvable bond principles of civil government to the principles of Christianity. We are a hated nation, even by some of our own citizens, 
not because of the United States, but because of Christ. Our law, our natural law, our decoration is based in these principles. And therefore, this is the answer. If they hated the Christ, they'll hate you. If a nation is built on those principles, it will be despised. No nation on earth has conquered and defeated its enemy and not colonized it as we have. We don't do it. We give them back their sovereignty. Japan, Germany, Iraq even now. We're dying for somebody else. What nation on earth has done that? No nation ever has. What motivates this nation to do that? Christ, his principles in our code of law. And this is why there's such a bent and such a target of the devil to undo our laws and make it atheistic. The world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. It is for us, the living, rather, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here, dedicated to the great task remaining before us, that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion. What does that mean? And what will that mean for the future of the world? And so we're no different than those people in the Mayflowers. They had no conception of what they were doing. No conceivable way to trace the impact they're making. We're in that time. And so we see Our Lady teaching us. It's an impossibility for Our Lady to come 25 years to teach us without having some exorcistic value that she's coming to purify things. 
Corruption can't be sanctified. You know, when a republic is corrupted, there is no possibility of redeeming any of the growing evils but by removing the corruption and restoring its lost principles. Every other correction is either useless or a new evil. Once something's so wreckaged through corruption or corrosion, there's nothing to do except destroy it. And we're there. We're really there. I tell you, if we don't change America around, the world's not going to change. We are targeted by many nations right now to fall. The European courts, the laws invading our courts, all is targeted to change this nation. And none of the agendas that's set forth in the world today can be achieved until they're achieved here in this country. And there's some huge forces to make that happen that you're not aware of. That we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain. That this nation, under God, shall have a new birth of freedom. And that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. This is not just a broadcast. This is something that's changed your mentality. This is marching orders. This is something I want you to listen to very carefully because what I'm about to say is crucial for you to adopt. When Glenbeck was talking, referring to the Constitution, he's actually referring to the Declaration of Independence. This is a result of even our side not fully understanding verbiage. We hear over and over the democracy, the democracy, democracy. This doesn't work. Our forefathers hated democracy because 50,000 people can be outvoted by 50,000 in one person. One person. A republic has the order of law. You cannot vote in Abortion, if 50,000 people vote against it, and 50,000 and one person voted in. You cannot vote in a republic murder. But in a democracy, you can. Fox News has repeated for half a year at least, democracy 2020. It's propaganda. You're being conditioned. Our forefathers hated a democracy. That's why they created a republic. This is an important point that I make to make you understand. So Beck referring to a constitution, that all men are created equal, is not the constitution. It's not in the constitution. It's in the Declaration of Independence. You have to get this into you. You have to teach your children, your homeschoolers. You have to reject and fight every time you hear democracy that we're a republic. And understand that the Constitution does not have life. It is dead. I think it's Ginsburg who says that the Constitution has life. It's a breathing document. It does not have life, and it's not a breathing document. It says what it says. 
It's the Declaration of Independence that has life. It's biblical. The universities and the professors have been genius in conditioning us that it's the Constitution that's primary and democracy checkmates the republic. This is your important lesson. I wrote it, and look what happened while you're sleeping. 2006, 14 years ago. And it's apical and urgent for you to learn this. Teach it to your children. You have to stand on these principles. We're going to play you the audio clip that explains this. Put your full attention upon this, because this is the answer for everything that's happening today, Friday, November 6, 2020, that we stand on. And referring to what Beck was saying, his principles was correct. His reference to the Constitution is not. He's speaking about the Declaration of Independence. And it was Abraham Lincoln in the 1860s said we have to go back to the Declaration of Independence, not the Constitution. And this explains why. So the following is paramount that you learn this. Look what happened while you were sleeping by a friend of Medjugorje. Every corporation in America has a charter or articles of incorporation which brings the entity into existence. Caritas of Birmingham has one. IBM has one. They also have what are called bylaws for the governance of the corporation. The Articles of Incorporation brings the corporation into existence and identifies the corporation's purpose and intent. The bylaws establish its governance. In the case of America's Foundation, the Declaration of Independence is the Articles of Incorporation that brought our nation into existence. The U.S. Constitution provides the bylaws of our nation and explains how it will be governed. The Declaration of Independence, the Articles, cannot be superseded or done away with by the Constitution, the bylaws. There are no clear moral values of right and wrong within the U.S. Constitution because the Founding Fathers had already placed the moral value in the Declaration of Independence. The Constitution is not the foundational document of the United States. Rather, the Declaration of Independence is the foundational document of our Constitution's form of government. In Article 7, the Constitution attaches itself to the Declaration of Independence. It's very important to understand that the Constitution cannot be interpreted independently of the Declaration of Independence as the Declaration sets forth the principles of how the American government would operate. The two documents are not independent, but interdependent on each other. The Declaration of Independence had such a continued importance that all the Founding Fathers dated their government acts from the signing of the Declaration of Independence on July 4, 1776, not by the date of the signing of the Constitution. John Quincy Adams said that the virtues which were infused into the Constitution were the principles proclaimed in the Declaration of Independence. 
further stating that the Constitution's platform of virtue, its republic character, are from the principles within the Declaration of Independence. Nearly 100 years later, Abraham Lincoln said, Our fathers established these great self-evident truths that their posterity might look up again to the Declaration of Independence and take courage to renew that battle which their fathers began, so that truth and Christian virtues might not be extinguished from the land. Now, my countrymen, if you have been taught doctrines conflicting with the great landmarks of the Declaration of Independence, let me entreat you to come back, come back to the truths that are in the Declaration of Independence. What was in Lincoln's thinking by the above statement? Why does he say to look again upon the Declaration of Independence and to take courage? What was he contemplating in his office when he wrote the above? I'm pausing this because I want to interject something very, very, very profound. First of all, you just heard what Lincoln said, that Christian virtues may not be extinguished from the land. That's our lady's words, basically. Now, my countrymen, if you have been taught doctrines conflicting with the great landmarks of the Declaration of Independence, let me, Lincoln, let me entreat you to come back. Come back to the truths that are in the Declaration of Independence. See, we've been guided by the universities and the professors and the revisionists. It's the Constitution. It's the Constitution. Constitution. Democracy, democracy, democracy. You have to stop this echoing of the enemy. That's how they change it. It was verbiage the devil did with Eve that changed mentality of Eve to violate God's order. We have people now sitting on the Supreme Court, Barrett, adamant not to legislate new laws, but to abide by the Constitution. But remember, there's no clear moral values or right or wrong within the U.S. Constitution. This is a very big, big thing I'm about to show you. Our Lady, 157 years ago or so, with Lincoln, spoke of herself because Lincoln was going to violate the Constitution for the sake of the Declaration of Independence. And he did violate the Constitution. The Supreme Court today, especially Barrett, must violate the Constitution. And Our Lady left a trace 157 years ago to show Lincoln to do the same thing. And he saved the nation that way. We are so far, so messed up, so many precedents and so many laws changed that it can't be corrected by following the Constitution. And here's the grand surprise. I walked into my library years ago, opened up a book, and found this profound statement that says you're about to hear. Because Lincoln was being accused by the Secretary of Treasury, Salmon Chase, that he was violating the U.S. Constitution. Now you will hear the audio of what Our Lady laid out almost 160 years ago for what we need to look at today. And it's straight from the Holy Virgin Mary. 
the Queen of Peace in Medjugorje, knowing what's happening today in our government, in our courts. And this is your answers. So we'll continue, and you'll see that Our Lady was looking at 2020 back in the 1860s. What was he contemplating in his office when he wrote the above? Study the words carefully, and you will understand what he was saying. Abraham Lincoln was accused of violating the Constitution. He was never accused of violating the Declaration. He admitted that to save the Constitution, he had to violate it. He did so by the principles rooted in the Declaration. Because the Declaration cannot be superseded, Lincoln actually forced the Constitution into an inferior position to the Declaration, using the principles of the Declaration to do it. On one occasion, Abraham Lincoln was confronted by his Secretary of Treasury, Salmon P. Chase, who was objecting to Lincoln and actions he was taking, saying they were in violation of the Constitution. Lincoln's response follows. Lincoln told Chase the story of an Italian captain who ran his vessel on a rock and knocked a hole in her bottom. He set his men to pumping, and he went to pray before a figure of the Virgin Mary in the bow of the ship. The leak gained on them. It looked at last as if the vessel would go down with all on board. The captain, at length, in a fit of rage at not having his prayers answered, seized the figure of the Virgin and threw it overboard. Suddenly, the leak stopped. The water was pumped out, and the vessel got safely to port. When docked for repairs, the statue of the Virgin Mary was found stuck, head foremost, in the hole. Lincoln then said, I don't intend precisely to throw the Virgin Mary overboard, and by that I mean the Constitution, but I will stick it in the hole if I can. These rebels are violating the Constitution in order to destroy the Union. I will violate the Constitution, if necessary, to save the Union. And I suspect, Chase, that our Constitution is going to have a rough time of it before we get done with this row. Rebels today are violating the Constitution in order to destroy our nation. We allow it because by stopping the rebels, we think we infringe upon their constitutional rights. Our nation is being destroyed by foundationalist constitutional rights, rights which do not exist. In our time, as in Lincoln's, it is necessary to reestablish the Declaration of Independence and its principles, which supersedes the Constitution, in order to reestablish and save the Constitution. I can tell you, in my library, there's easily over a thousand books. I often just go in there and random pick something up and open it. And that's how I found this. I'd never read that before. And it's an old book. Nothing's by chance. Our Supreme Court cannot stay originalist with the Constitution to bring our nation back to order. They have to violate the Constitution and the way Lincoln actually forced the Constitution into an inferior position to the Declaration, and thereby using the principles of the Declaration to revive the Constitution. You need to write the Supreme Court. 
You need to tell them these things. Write it down. Write to bear it. Spread that to everyone. This is the remedy for our nation. The Declaration, not the Constitution. Here in the South, we have strong patriotism. Alabama is one of the strongest states for Trump. We're proud of being in Dixie. And we're proud of Dixie, not because of the Civil War, because Dixie loves all the nation, all the states. And we sing with the heart the Battle Hymn of the Republic because Our Lady's in it. And Our Lady said in Medjugorje, her favorite song is the Battle Hymn of the Republic. Why? Not just because of glory, glory, hallelujah, but in the refrain that says, I have read a fiery gospel writ in burnished rows of steel. As you deal with my contemptors, so with you my grace shall deal. Let the mother of the Savior crush the serpent with her heel, since God is marching on. And with that, we recommend you to go through this teaching you just learned in order to unite this beloved nation that belongs to the Queen of Peace. Wish you Our Lady. We love you. Good night. <laughs> 